Hey everybody, Joe here from the Lions Led by Donkeys podcast. If you enjoy what we do here on the show and you think it's worth your hard-earned money, you can support the show via Patreon. Just a $1 donation gets you access to bonus episodes, our Discord, and regular episodes before everybody else. If you donate at an elevated level, you get even more bonus content. A digital copy of my book, The Hooligans of Kandahar, and a sticker from our Teespring store. Our show will always be ad-free and is totally supporter-driven. We use that money to pay our bills, buy research materials that make this show possible, and support charities like the Kurdish Red Crescent, the Flint Water Fund, and the Halo Trust. Consider joining the Legion of the Old Crow today. And now back to the show. Welcome to the Canadian edition of the Lions Led by Donkeys hey. podcast. I'm Joe. With me today, as always, is Nick. What up, Nick? What's going on? So, so today's the, uh, the Canadian version of this podcast. Uh, have you ever been to Canada? No, I wish. Canada's a great to. place. Uh, I, I grew up right across uh, from Ontario, yeah, uh, Windsor, Ontario. Spitting distance away. Yeah, uh, I believe it's the only place in the United States that's south of Canada. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's something, well, at least it used to be, uh, they changed the rules where now, like, you need more documentation across the border. Back in the day, uh, when I turned 19, all you needed was a Michigan driver's license and a birth certificate. Really? Yeah. Um, and you could cross the border. And Ontario's drinking age, 19. Nice. So, yeah, it was a bit of a, a, of a local tradition to make your migration over to Ontario and get bla- uh, get like absolutely wasted uh, for the first time legally. Uh, That's pretty awesome. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, also, like I always went over to Canada and like travel hockey teams and uh, rugby and stuff like that. It was always a lot of fun. I don't think we've ever talked about Canada on the show before. I don't think so. Uh, and if we have, our bad. We're forgetting already. Oh, we've done a hundred of these. <laughs> the memory starting to slip. Yeah. Uh, we are talking. Uh, so, like, when you think of Canada. What, what do you think? Like hockey? Fucking poutine. Yeah, po- we had that I've for had, dinner last night. Nice. <laughs> yeah. I've uh, had a poutine probably the first, yeah, first time in my life here in Washington. It was fucking delicious, delicious. right? Yeah. Uh, I think it was because you and Jamie were pissed that I never had poutine. Uh, well, I mean, you're from California. It's to be expected. I mean, yeah, I guess. We, uh, we went to Canada recently with some other people from Texas. Um, and they... so. In essence, poutine is like, you know, gravy, cheese, and fries, and, so, and sometimes like some meat on top. Oh, yeah. Good mix. So like if you were to pick a population of the United States that should fucking love poutine, it would be Texans, right? Yeah. They hated it. Really? Because it was called poutine. They're like, this is just too fancy so food. Like, this, is, this is literally fucking Canadian drunk food. It's not fancy. Does Rich hate it? Oh, no. Rich loves it. Yeah. Makes yeah. no sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, she has taste. So that helps. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Because most Texans only taste like. Hey, straws. It's, uh, every episode is our, our story arc here is shitting on Texas uh, until we finally do a series on the Texas War of Independence and somebody assassinates us. <laughs> now, I bring up Canada today. Maybe uh, our live show when it happens in Texas, that'll probably be our downfall. Oh, yeah, we're fucked. Uh, I bring up Canada because we are going to talk about like we're going to talk about Canadian uh, uh, military hero named Leo Majors. Uh, who is quite possibly one of the most badass people I think I've ever surprisingly read about. Like really? I, I knew nothing about this guy until I stumbled upon him uh, on the internet. Uh, and 
Yeah, Kanda as had- badass as the guy we covered in probably what episode three, maybe. Uh, what was his name? Bill Molden, something like that. He's a fucking uh, pipes player. Oh yeah. Uh, so I'll let you be the judge of that by the end of this. Also, it, it, we need who, to redo that. Who's who's cooler? Um, you know, and Canada has. I mean, sure, I'm, we have a lot of Canadian fans. What up, y'all? Uh, but like your uh, martial history isn't exactly known. Uh, because everybody likes to think of Canada as like friendly people, which they are. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, but like also like the longest sniper shots in history are Canadian. Yeah. Uh, and one uh, one record was broken by the other guy's spotter. So like they're good at what they do, and they also uh uh contributed heavily to Allied victories in both World War One and World War Two. And we're talking. Also have a really good arm wrestler in Canada. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna need you to expand upon that. This you can't guy, just throw yeah. an arm wrestling at me. Yeah, he's like one of the best arm wrestlers in the world. <laughs> he's from Canada. Does he train by just like uh, juicing trees? If, if you watch his training, it's fucking awesome. <laughs> for maple syrup by hand. <laughs> but yeah, thought I'd throw that in there. And you know, obviously, uh, people know Canada for a lot of other things, but most people think like, I don't know, they're just like the friendliest people on earth. You wouldn't expect a single man, say, takes over a town by himself. From a battalion of Nazis. What? Yep. <laughs> Leo Majors did that. <laughs> so, like, so normally, like, when you take over a town occupied by Nazis, you need, like, logistics, planning, command and control. People. Like, sometimes thousands of people, tanks, <laughs> artillery, radios. Leo Majors didn't have any of that. He had Leo Majors. But before we get to Leo Majors, Leo Jenkins' ass... Uh, like running a Nazi ga- endgame instance. Let's talk a little bit about the man himself. He was born January 23rd, 1921 in New Bedford, Massachusetts to French-Canadian parents. So I guess Massachusetts gets, gets an assist here. I don't, I don't like to give them any credit. No. <laughs> At least it's not Boston. I don't know. It's pretty close. Though his dad was kind of regarded as a deadbeat and caused various problems while there. Uh, so he eventually uh, like his dad was kind of such a bastard that he was uh, drunk and broke most of the time, and they were forced to move back to Montreal where they had family that could support them because their dad couldn't when, before he was one year old. So, like, Massachusetts doesn't get that much credit. No. He's definitely not an honorary masshole. <laughs> His dad continued to largely be a piece of shit, owed to booze and the occasional bout of uh, child abuse. They sprinkled some spousal abuse on top of that, I'm going to guess. Joe's dad. Uh, except I did not turn into a war hero. <laughs> <laughs> I turned into a really bad soldier. I, I am. I am Maybe bizarro. Your dad missed something. I am. I am bizarro world Leo Majors. <laughs> what if Leo Majors wasn't actually good at what he did? <laughs> yeah, he did that all for a fucking joke, and it somehow worked. <laughs> yeah, I actually only fought the Nazis as a bit. <laughs> yeah. uh, so Leo moved out of his family home and in with his aunt when he was fourteen. Um, but Leo, even though he, you know, moved around a lot and I'm assuming most people believe, you know, having a, a comfort, comforting home life with his aunt, which he did have would kind of make him soft, but he did, he was not, he spent his youth working in fields and doing manual labor until eventually he's like, yep, this sucks. <laughs> uh, mostly cause he couldn't make any money. Yeah. Um, manual labor is not fun. No, uh, I am incredibly adverse to, uh, to manual labor like when i get out of the army i didn't have a lot of career prospects because most people aren't hiring tank crewmen uh <laughs> and my writing career was fucking terrible 
Uh, thankfully, only one of those things has not changed, and that is people still aren't hiring tank crewmen. Uh, but uh, like they're they're like, yeah, you can come on to work on a roofing crew or whatever. I'm like, I'd rather be fucking homeless. <laughs> <laughs> like I know what I like. I like, we you both, dread to mow your lawn. I I don't. And the mow lawn, my lawn is smaller than the fucking <laughs> like your closet. Yes. Um. Like I don't mean to demean people who do manual labor. I mean it's it's like uh, all labor is important, and God bless you if you can do it. But I know me, and if I took that job, I would do it for about three hours, and I'd fucking quit. You die. So I'm not gonna waste anybody's time. Uh, so like many bored, underemployed 19 year olds, you walked into a recruiter's office and enlisted in the Canadian Army in 1940. Uh, he was posted to a French Canadian regiment, which I am not going to try to pronounce. Uh, De la Chaudière, I think. I don't know. Uh, nice. But it also nailed it. it, nailed it. Uh, my, my French Canadian is getting better. And what's really bad is I spelled this out in my script phonetically so I can pronounce it better. <laughs> See how that went. The poutine battalion. <laughs> the poutine boys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the, I it happened to have the most Canadian unit crest of all time. So on their berets, they wore a badge of crossed Vickers machine guns that were crowned with a golden beaver. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> That's fucking sweet. Now, we both giggle at that, but that is absolutely 100% cooler than any U.S. Army crest I had ever been in. Uh, and that's For sure. In, and that's including Gary Owen. I know a lot of calf people probably don't like my sacrilege there. But, you know, you s- put some fucking crossed machine guns and beavers on my shit. I'll wear that with that's pride. sweet. Uh, and from my understanding, that's still a unit. So, like, if you know anybody that has a unit crest, hit me up. <laughs> <laughs> that's my main problem with the U.S. Army. It's not uh, all the war and, like, horrible leadership. It's the uh, complete lack of golden beavers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, by by the time Major took part in the Canadian efforts of the Normandy landings, uh, which was his uh, first taste of combat, his abilities as a scout, sniper, and all-around badass are pretty well known. On multiple occasions, he slipped behind enemy lines and without firing a shot by himself would bring back POWs. What did he do? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Just threatened him really. He didn't speak German either. So yeah. like, hey, I'm behind you. Oh, look out. <laughs> it's like, excuse me. Hey, friend, do you want to go watch hockey? <laughs> Actually, yeah. Come on back. <laughs> yeah. Give up all this national socialism for the fucking Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> hey, back then they may have been good. I don't know. Uh, Leo himself credits us to the fact that he never wore heavy combat boots on patrol, but rather he wore his PT shoes. Nice. So, like, he allowed him to skulk around like a Canadian ninja. <laughs> Don't worry, I, don't worry, I brought my new balances. <laughs> Amazing. Like, imagine, like, you're being seriously uh, interviewed for, like, I don't know, maybe Canadians are, like, naturally humble people. I don't know. Uh, but, like, uh, excuse me, uh, Trooper, you are the best scout that we have. Uh, you've brought back dozens of POWs without firing a single shot. How do you do it? It's the shoes. <laughs> it's like a Michael. It's like a fucking Air Jordan commercial. It's like a, a vet bro commercial, but for New Balances or something. Oh, that'd be sweet. Just uh, n- fucking landing ramps exploding and planes getting shot down. And then instead of like the air guy on Air Jordans, it's like a, a, a like a Canadian doing a slob squat. <laughs> New Balances. <laughs> I imagine it's like his I'm wearing shit. nothing at all. I imagine his shoe is so fucking torn up. Yeah, I mean my. 
No, my shoes don't last long. Not at all. I like I get, maybe the whole sole is just gone. It's just it's just feet. smooth. <laughs> it's just his feet tiptoeing around the Normandy countryside sock feet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and an- so in another mission, uh, he crept up behind a German half track that was being used as a communications hub. So like kind of like a command. Talk? Yeah, as a command and control vehicle. Um, and he jumped aboard it and captured everybody <laughs> without firing a shot. Oh, don't you know? Whoop, coming through. <laughs> <laughs> but the, here's the here's the crazy part. So not to mention the fact that this had multiple people and he had a bolt action rifle. Uh, so like they're like, why don't we just punch him? Yeah, he can't shoot us There's all. There's only one guy. Uh, but like also, hold he, on, hold on. Look at his crest. It's the golden beaver. We've heard so much about it. Must be the shoes. Some German guy points at his New Balance. What are those? <laughs> yeah. so then he just gets shot in the face. <laughs> I will let you say many things about me, but I will not let you insult my shoes. Uh, but the, there's a problem. Sorry. <laughs> every time he shoots, every time he works the bolt of his rifle. Uh, so there's a problem. He's a Canadian guy. Uh, he's not familiar with uh, German weaponry or vehicles. He doesn't know how to drive the half track. Right. How do you think he got it back? You fucking grab a strap and started dragging it that would make sense at this point but no he just asked the germans to drive it back what and they did <laughs> no, you granted, think they'd go let's just take him back to our lines <laughs> no, granted, they were like the driver's definitely at gunpoint but like also he could just be like no yeah <laughs> <laughs> because the, here's the thing it's a talk vehicle for people who aren't aware that's full of like uh uh code books and intelligence and maps of enemy uh, of your positions and stuff all those were still intact i think he did this all everything was on accident he just ran into this like huh what do you know just running through like going through like i don't know a half marathon through the countryside like oh look a half track (laughs) yeah uh there's a problem though uh he probably didn't assume uh normally if you're say manning anti-tank guns or like a line and a German half-track starts coming towards you, you're probably going to shoot at it, right? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so he got shot at by his own guys? Oh, like a lot. I for sure thought that, yeah. Um, now this also led to anti-tank batteries trying to engage him. Um, so thinking on his feet, Leo's like, hmm, I don't have a radio. I have German radios. It doesn't help. Uh, I don't have any way to communicate with these guys. So he simply climbed to the top of the half-track and waved his hands around frantically until somebody recognized him. That reminds me of fucking... Team uh, America, right? Team America. Yeah, it's the danger signal for Team America. <laughs> but what's it he worked. saying? The, the, Canadian, the Canadian anti-tanker is like, what, what's he saying? Uh, kiss me, kiss smart-ass motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> First it's off, me, this guy's me. taking so much fire, he fucking... He's like, Let me just go ahead and stand up on this. Like, how, how does your brain work when he's like has multiple anti-tank cannons firing at him? I wonder if the Germans try to say... We have a white flag, and the dude goes, no, 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 I don't want any napkins. <laughs> There's only one way to do this. I'm going to stand up. I'm going to surf this motherfucker. Yeah. Uh, Leo didn't chalk up to his, didn't chalk his survival up to, like, thinking at his feet or, I don't know, uh, uh, him flagging the gunners down or any of that. He chalked it up because, uh, according to him, British and Canadian soldiers, quote, don't know how to shoot. He is a Canadian soldier. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, a lot of the guys in the line they're firing him were British, but like he's dunking on everybody. Yeah, he is. Uh, meanwhile, the Germans are like, yeah, these guys suck. <laughs> Our Canadians dope. <laughs> so this guy's cool, but you all fucking suck. Uh, now, when he drove up to the line, like with this, you know, 
uh, talk vehicle chock full of enemy intelligence and whatever, a British officer came over and demanded that he hand over the captured half track. Uh, Leo's like, nope, you're not my officer. Nice. One, that's kind of not how it worked. He fell under British command at the time, but uh, he refused to give it to anybody other than another French Canadian officer. Uh, so also probably the fact that the officer had just fr- recently tried to murder him, uh, yeah. with the anti-tank guns. Uh, yeah. this is my everyday driver. Now you can't have it. So he drove with the German prisoners <laughs> back to his lines to give it to his own commander. Just taking fire the whole time. Like, <laughs> God damn it. The German's like, why are we still driving him? <laughs> he seems so friendly. Shut up and drive Franz. <laughs> yeah. We seem safer on our own lines. <laughs> Uh, Majors was a private at the time, so what the fuck? Yeah, so like, imagine like a uh, a British battery commander. Why is he by himself? <laughs> what is he doing on doing Leo Majors things? You guys stay here. I'm gonna go over there and uh, want to walk. <laughs> I just need to clear my head, don't you know? Uh, but like, imagine uh, like the how did he move through the countryside so so stealthily? With balls the size of fucking cannonballs just dangling between his legs where he's going to tell a British uh, captain, I'm assuming, to like go fuck himself. Uh, Not to mention climb into vehicles and capture people and all sorts of other things. So you see the British captain noticed the junk size, saluted him after seeing it and saying, very well. (laughs) Carry on. But like, this shouldn't come as too much of a surprise because I did just tell you about them. He fist pumped his way towards friendly lines under cannon fire. So, like, I'm going to assume at this at this point, we are all under the standing that Leo Majors does not give a single fuck about anything. <laughs> the dude was doing the sprinkler. <laughs> uh, I'm going to dab on these cat ears. <laughs> that's actually how dabbing was invented. Uh, it was still lame, but, like, that's how it was invented. Uh, you know, even the, the like, the, the fucking ship anchor-sized balls of Leo Majors would ran smack dab into the realities of war from time to time. Though rarely. Uh, just a few days after his triumphant half-track victory lap, he was scouting up ahead of his unit, alone again. Uh, this time, he got caught in the act by you a squad. think squ- his unit liked him? Oh, they loved him. Huh. They absolutely loved him. <laughs> hey, go scout this first, man. They're like, yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we need someone to take out a suicide mission to go scout out the, uh, the SS lines. Leo's like, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, just happy. Yeah. We but- need a point man <laughs> right here. <laughs> Yeah, and he went on one of these missions, again, alone, and uh, uh, was caught in the act by a group of Waffen-SS soldiers. Uh, now, that doesn't really matter a ton when you're Leo Majors. Outgunned, he managed to kill four of them. <laughs> Though, one Nazi that he had wounded uh, uh, that before he finally bled out uh, managed to chuck a phosphorus grenade at him. Oh. And, uh, yeah, it's like... <sighs> It is a very Nazi thing to have the goddamn Call of Duty martyrdom perk equipped. I fucking hate that perk. Uh, Anyway, uh, they also probably picked Odd Job when they played Goldeneye. Uh, Mm -hmm. Leo ran because he saw the grenade coming at him, but he couldn't get far enough. And when the grenade exploded, it burnt out his goddamn eye. Scorched it clear out of his head. Oh. Uh, Leo was evacuated to a field hospital where a doctor told him if they were going to save his eye, what was left of it, they would need to send him back to England to get better treatment. Leo refused. Instead, he slapped on a goddamn eye patch, made pirate jokes about himself, and said this is all fine because, quote, I only need one eye to aim a rifle. Nice. Only a few days later, he returned to the front line after, again, 
having his eye burned out of his skull by a phosphorus he's grenade. he's just happy the whole time about it. Yeah, he's just sad he didn't get to apologize to the Nazis he all just <laughs> shot. They don't apologize to SS. It's just, no, he's like, no, that's, that's the one hard Canadian rule. We <laughs> yeah. don't apologize to Nazis. Yeah. Or uh, First Nations. <clears throat> <laughs> now, his lack of an eye did not mean his job would change. He kept being one of the best scouts in the entire Commonwealth combined armies, as well as dabbling in some sniping on the side. <laughs> because, well, I only got one eye. <laughs> Might as well capitalize on this. You know, that's like you know, when life gives you lemonade. Or when life gives you lemons, you make lemonade. When life burns out your fucking guy with white phosphorus, you become a sniper. Yeah. God damn. I, uh, that must have sucked. I broke my foot uh, one time when I got ran over by an Afghan police truck during a firefight uh, because they were attempting to run away. Uh, <laughs> and I milked the shit out of that for so long. <laughs> yeah, you would. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to go back into Kandahar. You get suck- a, that you shit get, sucks. Did you get a fucking award for not doing shit for like a week? Oh, yeah. Uh, I got an uh, uh, Army Achievement Medal one time. Uh, for malingering, effectively, uh, because, you know, there's the MWR thing or the uh, morale welfare shit. I don't know. I forget what it stands for. But uh, uh, they have, you know, concerts and stuff come around and sometimes comedians. And this is a combination like show for the uh, MWR slash USO, I guess. I don't really remember. And a concert like uh, 38 Special was going to be there, which is a butt rock band from like the 80s, nice. as, lo- as well as Orange County Choppers. The Remember that? Were they going to play there? No, they were going to pre-assemble uh, a pre-assembled bike in front of everybody. Like, see, look, we're building a motorcycle. And in reality, all they did is like bolt on the seat and the handlebars. And they were going to raffle it off. And uh, even though this is a thing for active duty soldiers at Fort Knox, a civilian employee won the motorcycle. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because of, of, of course that's very on brand, right? That's awesome. But uh, like they they had these this big fucking stage, and it had to be lifted into place with a scissor lift, and uh, the scissor lift collapsed uh, while me and another soldier were right below it, and he got fucked up by it pretty bad, uh, like it broke his leg or something like that, and I was right next to him, and uh, I was uh, PFC I think at the time, maybe a specialist, and some sergeant came running over. Like it, it hit my knee, but it didn't like badly hurt me. Like it sucked. Like I had a horror, like this gross bruise on it. And I walked with a limp for like two days, but uh, he's like, no, you guys need to go to the hospital. And like, we went there in an ambulance because like that guy had a broken leg. Uh, and they assumed I was as badly injured as him because it's, uh, it was Ireland Ar- army medical hospital is the uh, medical hospital, uh, or the army hospital at Knox times terrible. Right. Uh, so like, uh, just uh, wait it out. See how, see how long. You're like, nice. they didn't even give me quarters or anything. Uh, so I just didn't go back for the rest of the week. <laughs> That's awesome. And then I showed up on that Monday after that, and I got an AM. <laughs> <laughs> for all the help you fucking... I think I worked for five hours. <laughs> That's awesome. To be fair, I think it's one of uh, the awards I'm most proud of. I would too. <laughs> uh, but... That is when, uh, so after all this happened, Leo Majors found himself part of the Canadian forces that were taking part in the Battle of the Scheldt, which are actually making a movie about, finally. Um, I believe it's uh, the Netherlands is spearheading it. Should be interesting. I don't know. 
So, after the Allied successes of D-Day, they made rapid series of advances into France. It did not take long for these advances, which were going much smoother than the people originally thought. This led to um, uh, Allied forces quickly outrunning their own supply lines, something that the Germans also did during their advance into France, because nobody ever learns anything. Right. Uh, so, Allied commanders were flailing about, trying to find somewhere else with an intact port, as few other ones that had taken over were so bombed they were useless, couldn't supply themselves right. to it. So, they zeroed in on the ports of Antwerp. Uh, it was close enough to support a future invasion of Germany, and the Scheldt River was deep enough to allow the passage of ocean-going ships. So the plan would require several different amphibious landings from multiple different points. As you can imagine, and especially if you're a long-time listener of the show, this led to various different units getting lost, turned around, otherwise screwing up a very detailed combat plan required for this mission to work. Uh, at one of those times, 50 Canadian so-called zombies went missing, which uh-huh. it, it's a bit of slang I did not know existed until I researched this. Zombies is a slang term for a shitbag who was, <laughs> uh, who was inexperienced or did not care all that much. Mostly these were conscripts. Okay. That were like completely unmotivated to like learn, right. learn how to soldier. Leo was tasked with finding them. Mm. So like, th- we haven't heard of them since they were over there. Leo, go find these guys. As always, Leo went on the mission by himself. Happily. Yeah. He went, He actually, he was more pissed off about having to waste his time finding the zombies than uh. going on missions at all. Uh, as he was behind enemy lines in the middle of the night and freezing in, an, in a freezing rainstorm, according to Leo, he was so mad about being cold and wet that mission be damned, he was going to kill some Nazis that night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I, I hate being cold. I hate being wet. Oh, being wet's so awful. But being cold and wet is some of the most oh, miserable I have ever been in my life while I was in the military. And I, it does make you violent. <laughs> like, I want to kill something as you just shiver. Yeah. Nothing's ever warming you correctly. Your wet weather gear is never like Because you can get out of the rain, but guess what? You're, you're still st- fucking wet. You're <laughs> still cold and wet. Yeah. And then, okay, now go ahead and try to sleep. Good luck. Yeah. So he failed to find these lost soldiers and I... Could not find whatever happened to them, so like I'm just assuming they died. Yeah. Uh, but he did find an entire garrison of German soldiers. Uh, uh, it turns out that these German soldiers were like the zombies, kind of shitbags. <laughs> they were fast asleep in their trenches, leaving absolutely nobody on watch. <laughs> Despite being like maybe a dozen miles away from the enemy, which like I could. These are like finally one group of Nazi soldiers. I could be like, I get it. <laughs> yeah, when you're doing your stand too, but. Uh, you really don't want to. Yeah, like, I didn't fucking volunteer for this. <laughs> yeah. Leo crept up to the trench and found the first officer uh, who was sleeping against the wall as well. So he uh, he pointed a gun in his face and uh, demanded in the German that he had learned to for the officer to order his men to follow him. Like, That'd be awesome. <laughs> Just tapped him. Hey, buddy. I really hate to do this to you, (laughs) but uh, I need you to come with me. The officer did so. Actually, the officer's like, all right, whatever. We're (laughs) fucked. But three of his soldiers were like, well, it's only one Canadian guy. How bad could that be? Well, they didn't realize they were dealing with Leo Majors, who immediately shot them all dead. (laughs) Oh, I thought he fucking roundhouse kicked him. Just did like the the Johnny Cage uh, split from Mortal Kombat, punched him in the balls. (laughs) Roadhouse. (laughs) He shot all of them dead before they could even pick up their rifles. Jesus. After that, the entire garrison of 93 soldiers surrendered to him (laughs) and walked calmly back towards enemy lines. You killed our three best soldiers. (laughs) 
Those guys are real dicks. We like you now. <laughs> yeah. One of them was like a specialist promotable who demanded that you call him specialist promotable. That asshole. <laughs> like if you guys weren't going to kill him, I was. <laughs> Uh, so as he was doing so, uh, they were ambushed by the SS. What the fuck? Who the SS was shooting people because they're surrendering, but also like they assumed that there was more than one Canadian there. Yeah. I don't know. They killed several of the POWs, and Leo thought it was probably targeting them on purpose because they surrendered. Eventually, a Sherman tank showed up to the ambush after hearing the firing, because remember, Leo didn't have a radio. So like, hey, look, there's some firing coming over there. <laughs> Uh, so the tank commander sarcastically leaned out of his tank and asked Leo if he needed some help. Leo said, quote, no, but I would appreciate if you could silence those guns for me. <laughs> Again, by himself, <laughs> with like guy. 90 alive prisoners who are also all around him and yeah. now depending on this one guy for their safety. Uh, after the SS decided they didn't want to fight a tank, the ambush was fought off and Leo delivered the remaining POWs to his commander. Now, for this action, Leo is awarded the Distinguished Conduct Medal, the second highest medal that can be bestowed upon soldiers of the Commonwealth, just below the Victoria Cross. Jesus. Though, Leo turned down the medal, not because he was, like, humble or high and honorable. And I just, can't see it. I only have one eye. I want to see it with two. <laughs> Bring it closer. Uh, he, and it, it wasn't any of that humble shit. I was just doing my job. It was actually because he he did not want to be awarded this medal by Field Marshal Bernard Montgomery because he hated it. Yes, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> he he hated him so much that when his commander uh, told him about the award, Leo said, "Quote: No, thank you, sir." Uh, or said, "No, sir, thank you, but I don't want this chief to honor me since he has caused the death of so many civilians and so many of my soldier countrymen with his ill-conceived military decisions." Now. If you're thinking that his commander, who's like, how the fuck are you going to turn this down from the, the field marshal or whatever, or like so upset that his soldier would like tell someone, a general officer, like uh, give him the middle finger. Nope. His commander said, as you please, private major, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> also, private major. Kind of hilarious. It is. <laughs> so fast forward to 1945 and Leo Major and his unit is fighting in the Rhineland. He's riding in a Bryn gun carrier. For people who nice. aren't sure what that is, think of what an APC is in your head, but make it worse. <laughs> it's make real, it super small. It's too. real, real small. Uh, during a routine patrol, the carrier he was riding and ran over a landmine. Now, oh god! I should point out that these landmines are meant to blow up tanks, and a Bryn gun carrier is about what one tenth of a size. Yeah, <laughs> with no armor. It's like a the World War II jeep, but tracked. Yeah, yeah. The vehicle blew apart and killed everybody on board. Everyone except Leo Majors. You think he just sat there without a scratch? Oh. He, he just grimaced out at the landmine and the explosion, like, arced off to the left like Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. <laughs> he was blown into the woods so far away from the original uh, landmine explosion that it took people several minutes to realize that, A, he was alive, and B, he was over there because they just assumed he'd been vaporized. Yeah, like, fuck. <laughs> Well, Leo's gone. Anybody find his eye patch? Where's his shoes? <laughs> he was badly injured. Uh, uh, he broke both of his ankles, four ribs, and his back in three different places. Oh, God. So that's the end of Leo Majors, right? Like, he's going to go do USO tours I mean, or whatever. It makes sense, yeah. He'd probably go home, eat some poutine. Rub it on the wounds. Yeah. That's how you heal him. Uh, nope. Okay. <laughs> it turns out being ethered out of a fucking Bren gun carrier by a landmine is not enough to slow down Leo Majors. You just put a bandage on a scratch and he's like, good to go. 
This is normally when everybody with a functioning brain and a will to live decides they've had enough of this war stuff and it's time to pack it up and go home. Personally, I did after like my third TBI. <laughs> Hat tricks are, are, aren't always fun. <laughs> Leo Majors was not that man. Again, bizarro world to me. Uh, he refused to be shipped ho- back home for treatment. He broke his back in three places. Right. So he went by. He went to a nearby Belgian hospital for a few weeks and then rejoined his unit. You think the dog's like, hey, I don't think you're thinking straight at all. But no, somewhere in like Canadian military high command is like the Edmontonium uh, injections are working. Because <laughs> remember, Wolverine is Canadian. <laughs> this is the Wolverine fucking That's origin awesome. story. His real name was Leo Majors. Uh, yeah, you like so you you remember that first Wolverine movie like. The really, really bad one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it had Deadpool in it and it was yeah. terrible. Remember at the very beginning where there's a flashback of him fighting through all of the wars Fucking of human history? Civil War all the way to World War II. And Vietnam. then just walking away. I'm not totally unconvinced that one of these was just the life of Leo Majors. That'd be sweet. He's just punching Nazis with his bone claws. <laughs> uh, Majors healed up in time to rejoin his unit as they swept the last rem- remnants of German resistance from Holland. On April 13th, 1945, the Allies were pretend, uh, preparing to attack the Dutch town of Zwolle, home to around 50,000 people in a pretty decent-sized town. Oh, yeah. There was a problem with this plan, however. They had no intelligence uh, on what exactly was defending them, what units they were, size of the defenders, whatever. Uh, so they didn't want to, like, just, okay, everybody go into town, yeah. but they needed to scout them out. So that night, they sent Leo and another scout by name of Willie Arsenal to... Uh, recon the area. You think it was like one of those cop movies? Like, yeah, I usually work alone. Oh, uh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, actually, Leo and uh, Willie worked a lot uh, together, oh. but not on like his most crazy exploits. Because like that makes me respect Willie a little bit more. It's like, yeah, I'm friends with him, but uh, <laughs> I have to go to sit call today. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you want to do what? This guy's fucking crazy. <laughs> you want to do fucking what, Leo? I uh, have to go see a guy. Or, or like, go ride the tiger tanks today? <laughs> or like, Band of Brothers, like, you stay here. I'm gonna go get help. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he just runs off straight through the middle of the town. <laughs> the main reason uh, for Leo volunteering uh, is if, if you didn't pick it up from his comments about Monty, he really didn't like when civilians were targeted during the war. And if allies didn't know where the Germans were, he was, they were just planning on bombarding the town with artillery. Mm. Uh, Leo and Willie set out to stop that. Unfortunately, Willie was not as great as a scout as Leo, or just sometimes you roll the dice and it comes up snake eyes. Oh, uh, he was too loud. Uh, he was probably wearing his boots. Yeah. Uh, so as they approached the outskirts of the town, he was spotted uh, and began to take fire. Though uh, Leo says that he was spotted because they had a pretty big distance between the two of them because he uh, something on his kit rattled. Oh, I thought it was because he was wearing an army uniform. <laughs> yeah, and Leo was dressed up as a clown. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Willie was killed almost immediately. Oh fuck! Yeah, <laughs> that uh, sucks. Leo charged the machine gun nest and kill uh, that killed his friend and killed them right back. Uh, so at that point, Leo went back to his dead friend and grabbed a bag full of grenades and his Sten, Sten submachine gun. Leo, much like his mission looking for zombies, flew into something of a blind rage. He didn't want to scout the town anymore. He wanted to go kill some Nazis, and kill some Nazis he did. <laughs> God damn. He hijacked a nearby scout car, taking the soldier's submachine gun and killing the guy. But I did say hijacked for a specific reason. There was a different German still in the car 
and Leo forced him to drive into town towards a nearby hotel. How does he do this? <laughs> at gunpoint, I'm assuming. Uh, he, he actually practiced the fine art of carjacking for years. But while you were uh, playing video games, I was studying the carjacking. Uh, once, there he, uh, he, once he got to the hospital, he ran to a German officer who he disarmed. Uh, and Leo did something incredibly stupid, which was tell him of the Canadian plan to bombard the town. Now he did this because he was hoping he was hoping the officer would understand what he's getting at. Like, look, I'm here to protect the civilians. I don't care if you're here or not, but if you're not in the town, they don't have to bombard it. They don't have to bombard it with artillery. Uh, the German officer seemed to understand. Like, okay, I get it, and because Leo's whole thing is like, order your men to leave the town. Uh, and as a good faith measure, he gave him his pistol back, expecting you know we had a heart to heart. He's an order of the retreat. But because you should never trust a Nazi, that did not happen. Huh. Instead, the officer got in his car and drove away. No orders of retreat were ever given out, and nobody's really ever sure what happened to the guy. I'm assuming he hauled ass to save himself. Oh, thank God. I'm out. <laughs> yeah. So Leo moved around the town in the dead of night, firing off one of his now three submachine guns and one rifle at various intervals, as well as throwing grenades wherever he went. He never stayed in one place longer than it took him to kill someone or fire off a burst of ammo. Because, uh, like, sometimes he would kick open the door of a house, find nobody in it, so he'd just fire a burst and run off. Uh, his plan was to create as much chaos as possible yeah. in as many different places as possible. Hell yeah. Dude. All at once. I'm ass- he's doing this all at, like, a dead sprint. <laughs> this might sound weird, but he had a plan. Running around like a madman, like a real-life Call of Duty, had the effect, had the uh, intended effect of confusing the Germans, who thought that they were not under attack by some one-armed, fucking broke-back, one-eyed Canadian guy, but instead an entire Canadian army right. just all over the place. Uh, moving from street to street, he went on a one-man offensive, sending the German defenders had the good sense to fight him to the grave, or running for their lives, the Canadian version of the Terminator stormed their area. Jesus Christ. At various points, Leo got lost and just turned out another street at random and continued <laughs> his rampage in a different direction. Meaning, the Germans could not plot out where this attack was coming from because the person that was attacking him also did not know where he was going to attack next. Uh, but he did... Um, eventually find a way to guide himself using like a, a river and uh, like a church steeple as like a guidepost. So he eventually got his bearings because he didn't have a map of the place. Right. Uh, every once in a while, uh, Germans would surrender to him and he never really was down with shooting POWs, even though even under the, the rules of law, shooting them in this situation would actually be okay. Also, they're Nazis. Yeah. Uh, so like, eh. But he would take prisoners in groups of 10 and run them back to the Allied lines before returning back into his wall and going back on his killing spree. He did this 10 fucking times. And you don't think they were like, you know what? Maybe we should send an offensive. Maybe we should like, I don't know, give him a second guy. Yeah. Give him a whole squad. I don't know. He's doing a great job on his own. He made 10 different trips back and forth, meaning that like he brought damn near another 100 prisoners back to Allied lines. At various times of the night, he would break into civilians' homes, and they would be like, oh, he's Canadian, not German. So, like, he would take a nap, or, like, <laughs> like yeah, or they would feed him, or, like, he'd get some water, and then he'd head back out. <laughs> oh, bother, I gotta go. <sighs> Another day at the mines. Like, and also, they, like, let him know, like, that building's Gestapo, that building's SS headquarters, <laughs> that's where the collaborators are, shit like that. 
once he was well rested enough and he'd stormed back in the town, he burnt down the local Gestapo headquarters. <laughs> yeah, dude. And, and he broke into the SS headquarters, machine gunned a whole bunch of officers, and also set the building on fire. Inglorious bastard, <laughs> right? Did he? You think he graffitied too? It should be. It should be uh, incredibly important to point out he was not wounded a single time during all of this. He, <laughs> according to him, he took very little fire because people were so confused that they never got like they never figured out what the hell is going on enough to return fire. He just killed them outright. Yeah, or they surrendered or ran. And he did save if he noticed someone was like obviously running, he wouldn't shoot them because he needed to save the he needed to save his limited ammo. In his now fucking willy nilly eight different three point sling <laughs> contraption, he is going off all of a sudden machine guns for like people who actually wanted to shoot back at him. So if someone turned turned and ran, he's like, "All right, moving on." Yeah. <laughs> at, at a few point of his rampage, uh, uh, he ran into some members of the Dutch resistance who like, you know, it'd be great if there was like a fold out table on the middle of the street and he just grabbed like a cup of water, poured it on his head, like he was running a marathon. <laughs> <laughs> members like civilians are giving him energy gels and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. At some point of, of his rampage, uh, the local members of the Dutch resistance came out to see what the fuck was going on. They're like, there's an awful lot of machine gun fire going on in town, and nobody told us about it. Horseshit, we want to be in on this. Yeah. One of them was a local police officer named Frick Kyber. Uh, and like most people, he was pretty curious about what the hell was going on. So Leo helpfully informed him that, in fact, that their town was liberated and to inform the civilians. <laughs> So they wasn't really liberated. There were still some Germans in the town, but the resistance members joined in on Leo's rampage, grabbing guns and storming the town hall. Soon the civilians took to the streets, cheering on their one-man army. And by 4.30 a.m., the remaining German soldiers who hadn't run or been killed were like, all right, we see the writing on the wall. Let's <laughs> yeah. get the hell out of here. They didn't want any more of that smoke. <laughs> and they retreated from the town entirely. Hell yeah, dude. Leo, Leo retrieved his friend's dead body and walked it back to his unit, who had yet who had yet to begin their uh, uh, advance into the city of Zwolle. A few hours later, they rolled into town unopposed. <laughs> <laughs> Can we meet the liberating army? Yeah, uh, right here. <laughs> Again, Leo was offered the Distinguished Conduct Medal. This time, he decided he should accept it. <laughs> <laughs> I would add two of these bad boys. Uh, about that. So. Yeah. The war ended, and uh, he decided he had enough of taking over Nazi cities and became a pipe fitter. Uh, that was until nice. 1950 and the start of the Korean War. Holy shit. Really? Leo was not done. Though it should seem like Leo at this point was too old for everything uh, because of his various injuries and whatnot, but he was only 29. Like broken backs. Yeah. And he was easily one of the most veteran combat soldiers in all of Canada. Uh, For sure. So Canada knew this, and immediately was like, "Please come back. You can have your we own scout unit. You can build it." And he was like, "Yeah, right." Like those <laughs> really weird movies were like, "Hey, we need you to come back." And he's out in the woods by himself. I told you I was done. Leo Majors. Leo Majors. I haven't heard that name in so long. <laughs> yeah. So in 1951, he found himself locked in combat yet again around Hill 355. Leo was given orders to take the hill and strict orders that there would be no withdrawals. They would stand and fight and not retreat. The fighting lasted several days and his 18 man scout detachment repelled an entire Chinese division while under constant artillery bombardment. Eventually, despite his previous orders, he was ordered to retreat. But Leo's like, nah, (laughs) you already told me not to retreat. I'm not retreating. No takesy backsies. (laughs) 
He, he used this position to call in artillery and mortar fire on top of the attacking divisions, and in many cases, so close, he nearly killed himself. The mortars that were supporting him fired so often and so quickly that their barrels warped from the heat. They held, and Leo is given another Distinguished Service Medal. He is the only Canadian to be rewarded the medal in two different wars. Jesus. Just give him a Victoria Cross! Yeah. <laughs> Come on! What's he gonna do? Die? <laughs> he almost kind of did! Multiple times. Now, after the Korean War, Leo decided that he wasn't kind of over this, so he joined the French Foreign Legion. No, I'm just kidding. That's what I was to say. Holy shit. And he jumped into DM. <laughs> Leo's back, baby! He was fond of a Kasabian fellow. <laughs> uh, after the Korean War, Leo decided that he really had seen enough and retired to a quiet life, though the years of war had gone kind of hard on him. And he was not long for this world. Just kidding. He lived to be 90 and died in 2008. Holy shit. <laughs> so while I was getting ready to go to Afghanistan for the first time, Leo just died. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that dude's fucking awesome. I, uh, I'm a huge fan of his beaver crest, but like, for I, sure. I feel like it should just be changed to the screaming one-eyed face <laughs> yeah. of Leo Majors. That'd be sweet. So how do you feel about Canada now? I mean, I've always liked it. But holy shit, that's yeah. that's fucking awesome. Yeah, we're not a, we're not a, a an anti Canadian podcast. Uh, no, I feel like that'd be a weird. Um, uh, I don't know a lot of people who are anti Canadian. Oh, a uh, little correction. Um, Stone Mountain, the uh, uh, from last week, I I talked in passing about Stone Mountain, the Confederate monument to their traitors. Right. It's in Georgia. I uh, I fucked that up. So it's uh-huh. in Georgia. In case anybody was wanted to go visiting. <laughs> uh, don't look too far into that. Uh, now, uh, Nick, on the show, we do questions from the Legion. We do. So, as a historian, which we kind of are, uh, <laughs> let, me, let me rephrase this question. As a history podcaster, yep. I, I feel like to, have a, to be considered a historian, you have to have a PhD. Yeah, definitely. Which I do me. not. No. Um, you have your niche. We both have our niches. Like, I studied European history. I'm a Napoleon nerd. You're a World War II Army Air Force guy. Um, but what's the topic you want to know more about? Hmm. Honestly, I'd really like to get into World War One. Like, it's such it's so broad. Like, it's you have hard to pick to, your niche within exactly. the World War One. So I'd probably have to go into Commonwealth. I don't know why. Hmm. I was I'm always interested in the Commonwealth side of it. Interesting, like the Anzacs and stuff like yeah. that. Well, I um obviously I studied European history, which covers a lot. Um, and then you know, bachelors is kind of a really wide brush uh personally i'd like to know more about uh chinese history uh, or japanese history um it's always been super interesting to me and honestly i probably would have studied that in college if there was a program available uh there just simply wasn't uh but it's super interesting we're definitely gonna do more about the about stuff like that because you know i'm not in school anymore Uh, i'm not studying new things unfortunately i'm just writing Master's thesis on shit I already know about because right. that's what that is. Um, so, like, I look forward to studying more of that, which, you know, would be great. Like, I want to do, like, the Great Leap Forward. Uh, I want to do the uh, Japanese, uh, the Japanese Russian War. I'd love to hear. Oh, God. The Russo Japanese War. I Japan when I was there. Yeah. Oh, um, that was so great. Uh, there's so many, th- like, I'd like to talk about a lot of the, uh, like, Warring States period. Uh, we're going to be talking about the Khmer Rouge very soon. Uh, so, oh boy, <laughs> that might be the most grimace series we ever do. <laughs> but like, you know, I really like to branch out. Like, I, I don't like to stay in our comfort zone. Like, obviously, we're Americans. So a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about is going to stay 
in the English speaking world for the simple fact is I speak English and a lot of primary sources are not in English. Like there's a lot of really cool, uh, like Latin Google translate kind of sucks. It's fucking terrible. Um, I'm, I'm doing my best to reach out to some Spanish speakers in our discord to help me translate things for some stuff, uh, in South American history. Uh, I'm trying my best, (laughs) but I am, but one dumb white man. (laughs) but that's our show this week. Nick, as always, thank you for joining us. Mm-hmm. And uh, until next week, uh, we ride again. Do not attempt to liberate any cities alone. That'd be hard. Yeah. Until next time. Yeah, later. <laughs> <laughs>